I'm your host, Jeff Dawson, for another episode of Dawson's Domain, where we cover the spectrum of life's pressing issues and events, from politics to relationships, sports to horror, alternative history to poetry, humor to baseball coaching, and everything in between. Absolutely beautiful Dallas, Texas. I mean, this is a idyllic spring day. That's a pretty big word for me, too. Don't ask me to spell it, even though I'm a writer, because I'd probably screw it up and my editor would have to tell me, <clears throat> go back to the dictionary and figure it out. Well, thank you for joining us this afternoon. Now, if you've got any questions, because we've got a lot to go over today, we'll have a book review. I've got some poetry. We'll talk about politics. We'll talk about the Ukraine, but we're really going to, the focus today is going to be on baseball. It is my sport. I love it. It's the only one that I could walk, chew gum, and not fall down. I could, I could do two things at once, and that was a sport that I could do it in. I just love it. No matter how bad my teams are playing, I just love the sport. Now, if you've got comments, you want to be part of this broadcast, the number is 888-627-6008-323-744-4831. You can listen to it on iHeartRadio at 631-359-9353, and I will repeat those numbers at least one more time. And the reason that this came up at dinner last night, the reason I don't do it as I should, and hammering the phone numbers is I don't watch too much. I don't listen to much talk radio anymore because to me, I'm going to put a stopwatch to it one day between all the commercial breaks and the, which I understand they got FCC regulations and they have to identify their station X amount of times an hour. But when it comes to the phone number, it's like, that's all I hear. And, and I would hazard to guess that of an out of an hour talk show, there might be at the most 45 minutes of content and that's it. So I don't want to just keep repeating the phone number, especially when we get into a topic that is going to be heated, which I guarantee you when my guest today, Wesley Ford shows up and we start talking baseball, There is no time to give out call signs and phone numbers and all that because we will more than likely get extremely passionate about certain things in baseball that he likes and I don't like and vice versa. It's just the way it is. But I'll say it again. The phone number to call in is 888-627-6008. Or three two three seven four four eight three one, and last night it was Friday night, so you can find it at, find us at Dunstan's, and that would have been the Berries, Jerry and Patty, Doug Kelly, and Wesley Ford made a late entrance because he works nights and he just couldn't be there on time, which that was okay. 
and also want to welcome our potential sponsor of FFE Trucking in Lancaster. And I said potential, but they are a really good outfit based out of Lancaster. And this is what I found on Wikipedia about it. The company is a Lancaster, Texas-based temperature controlled transportation company founded in 1943. So if you're looking for a company of stability, they've been around since 43. So what's that? 57, 77, 79 years. I'd say they got a little staying power. It provides temperature controlled transportation services for over the road transportation. FFE also happens to be the only temperature controlled transportation service company in the United States that offers services throughout the continental United States. And they do have a lot of different hubs across the country. But uh, any of you guys that are on the road or in the warehouse working, welcome aboard. I hope you enjoy the content. And as the temperature rises, I am an Herbalife distributor. And if you can't stand Gatorade and you don't like energy drinks, uh, I sell a product called Liftoff and H3O. H3O is really good to keep your hydration up. And you don't get that bad taste and just feel blocked. Because when I work construction out in the field, we can only, you know, you can only drink so much water. You can only drink so much Gatorade before you just, this is nasty. But uh, H3O doesn't do that. And I have several customers that work in warehouses. And when that temperature starts rising and their shirts are soaked, soaked in salt stains, they really do enjoy it. Okay. So it was a nice time at Dunstan's. It was very calm. And I, shocked Miss Patricia because I was nice. You know, it's kind of like the movie Roadhouse with Patrick Swayze. What do you do when people get upset? Be nice. Well, what do you do if a fight starts? Be nice. So I took that to heart and she didn't get one hug. She got two. But don't go thinking you're special. Let's just get that clear right now. Don't go thinking you're special. Even though you are. But that's okay. But it was a fun night. Uh, we are on a subscription push. And I believe that uh, the producers have gotten all of that squared away. It starts at $2.99. It goes to $49.99 a month. Uh, Doug asked last night, well, can't you pay it for a year? And I said, no, it, it's a monthly deal because we went through the different issues of what if I quit doing the show? What if I died? What if BBS just had their problems said, so it's a monthly subscription. That's it. You know, do it on a credit card. It's an automatic draft and go on, or you can do donations if you want to do it that way. I got a Zelle account. My number is 817-938-8461. And I have a PayPal account. So there's multiple ways to support this broadcast. And everything has helped, of which these are the contributors that are getting a shout-out. Jerry and Patty Berry, Randy and Susan Cowball, Brian Sanborn, and the 
wants her last name to be anonymous. Lisa and Kevin Shackelford, Carrie Allen, Jacob Wilson, and Vicki Nip. Their generosity keeps this thing going. And that's a good thing. We just need more. And as I've said, I'd love to do this every week, but right now we can only do it bi-monthly. But we're getting there. But it was. It was a good time at Dunstan's. And uh, if you've never eaten there, they've got two locations. In fact, this week, <clears throat> Brian Sanborn took Wes and I to the one on Lover's Lane. And, uh, you know, it is a different atmosphere because it's right next to University and Highland Park. So, yeah, the clientele's a little more upscale. They got a hell of a lot more money. That's for damn sure. They got a whole different menu. But uh, they're both great locations. Whether it's Lover's Lane or Harry Hines, you can't go wrong. And Jane, you need to start helping me with this because I'm giving you a lot of free promotion. You and I need to talk about this. But I like the place, so I don't mind talking about it. Foundations. Daniel and Becky are still selling shirts for the Ukraine from through the Woodall Foundation, and you can find them on Facebook. In fact, Anne uh, purchased one or two of the shirts. Not sure if they've come in yet or not. We're still waiting to see that, but uh, it's just a great foundation. They minister to the deaf in Moldova, which those of you who didn't know where that was three months ago now know where it is thanks to our wonderful media coverage. Hallelujah. They're just wonderful, aren't they? But that's another story. But hey, it's a great place. It's a great foundation. They appreciate everything. They put that money goes to support the ministry and the work, God's work that they're doing. So it's they're not like, you know, the old PTL club or Swaggart or all of them where the money was going to their pocket and they were doing all types of foolishness. It goes to the foundation. They're not living large on the hog. So if you're looking for a good place to pick up some shirts or just give them a donation so they can travel overseas, because as of right now, I believe they're still scheduled for their summer uh, retreat. And I think they're there like two months. Obviously, it's going to be a little different because with the invasion of Ukraine and all the refugees, well, there are a lot of deaf people in the Ukraine and they have migrated towards this area. So they will have a lot of work to do when they get there. Great people, great place, great, great foundation. And you're really helping them spread the word. Okay. The book review is the Bucharest Dossier, which I know I reviewed this a while back. And all I'm saying is, if you really like an old-fashioned Cold War thriller, and I, I should have looked this guy up. My dad read all of them. And it wasn't Mitchum. Maybe it was. I forgot the author, but he had all of his books. And I read a few of them. They really were good. And that's 
the Bucharest dossier, it's, it's a good read. It's a lot of fun. It had some problems, but overall it is a page turner and it'll, it'll keep your interest. And that's it. Now on the poetry side, like I said, this is, what was that old show baseball today? Well, I got two poems from my book, Life's Spectrum, that I'm going to read. Living is tough, dying is easy. My parents dropped me on the on the doorstep like many of the day when money done, the kids were the first to go. I spent my days dodging the masters, the teachers, the hecklers. I had a talent, none. I had a talent, none, when it came to the studies reading or poetry, but I could do one thing. I could knock it out of the park. For many, it was an accomplishment praised by all. For me, it's the only thing I knew. Despite the jeers from peers and heckling of mates, my wooden leather reinstated my faith. The sweet smell of grass is now my home. I perform for thousands who say I do no wrong. With children and a ball, the tale is all too true. But in living my life, the same is not true. Hours of drinking, smoking, carousing, and whoring have taken a toll. My wife, my child, the burden is too much. I continue to try, to try and compete, but the ball and glove are the only escape. Familiar sounds are fading away. The days of being loved by thousands is slipping away. I agree to the terms the doctors have said. It's surgery, perhaps for a better day. His skill is well-crafted, but the progression was too much. I faced the inevitable, wishing for much. The casket is placed. The drums have stopped beating. I open my eyes to a bright light that is shining. A familiar voice stir stirs the ears. Hey, Ruth, you're up. I blink for a moment in utter surprise. Iron Man, I thought you died. I have, old friend, but fear no more. Your life was tough. We know all too well. Living on earth was tough, as you know. The sneers of the crowd, the jeers of the fans, the columns from journalists scorched your soul. We felt your pain, reserving your space. Take a bat and hear the cheers again. For me, living was tough. Dying is easy. Play ball. Yeah, that was about Babe Ruth. Lou Gehrig. It wasn't long ago. I was a normal Italian kid in the borough. Stickball was the game of the day. How times have changed. The sound of the crowd, the crack of the bat, the cheers from the mates. They call me the Iron Man. My fingers tingle with a touch of metal. My voice is unsteady and hoarse. Yet I must come to bat one final time. One more pitch, one more swing. I consider myself the luckiest man in the world. The cheers and cries become muffled as the dirt covers my eternal tomb. A smile creeps across my cold lips and deaf ears. Strike three, Lou. Come play on my team. I kind of like those. I think I've got to do a little adjusting with babes in those first couple of stanzas, but still. I love the game. I love the guys that have played the game for the most part. It just doesn't get any better. 
Now, of course, we do have to go through some new stuff before the three o'clock hour. So let's get this done. So Elon Musk bought Twitter. Well, who cares? I mean, really, we had life before Twitter. We had life before Facebook and Reddit and God knows what Snapchat and Pinterest and all this stuff. So what the world? Is the world coming to an end because Elon bought Twitter? I don't think so. I mean, really? And if you th- and the people that think that Twitter is the end all to free speech have not read the Federalist Papers or the Constitution or a newspaper in a long time. Of course, most of the newspapers are as bad as the media, and it's just a bunch of crap. But so he takes over Twitter. Whoop-de-doo, that's about as exciting as the Amber Heard and Johnny Depp trial. Like, I gave two shits about that. No, I didn't. Did I watch any of it? No. But it what amazed me is how many people said, well, what? It, it's a distraction. A distraction from what? Reality? Are you afraid of reality? Are you afraid to face your problems where you have to go look at these memes of these two idiots that had a horrible marriage? Who cares? Really, who cares? I didn't. I still don't. When? Like their bank accounts are being drained? No. But you get to see how ignorant Hollywood is. I mean, it's just like, you know, go back in the Academy Awards, which I didn't watch, and the ridiculousness between Will Smith and Chris Rock. I got to watch that movie, King Richard, and I'll be honest, he got an Academy Award for that. Hey, yeah, it's a great story about Venus and Serena Williams. It is a great story on how he brought them up, got them involved in tennis, but I mean, his performance in iRobot, and damn it, I didn't look it up, but that movie where he's by himself, and I guess it's supposed to be New York City. That was acting. To me, that was acting. He really had to get into it. But to win an Academy Award for that, well, okay. Wham. All right, let's get back to Elon. So Elon's bought Twitter. The only thing I enjoyed about it is the way he did this. It was a hostile takeover that we all saw back in the 80s and 90s. In fact, uh, Michael J. Fox was in a movie about that. Remember it? I don't remember the title because it just came to mind where his, what was it? His uncle? Might have been his uncle. He went to work for him and there he was buying up companies and then someone was coming after him and Michael J. Fox puts a group of guys together and they take the company over. So no one had seen this in a while. They kind of forgot about how these things work. Musk was quiet about it. Outstanding. And now he's become a target of the liberal left. Why? Because they got, they don't have Trump anymore. They got to find something to make themselves some make themselves feel relevant, even though he is the one that is pushing EV cars. Hell, Dallas County just bought three of them. $66,000 a piece. 
where the hell did Dallas County come up with $66,000 a piece for three cars? That's, I want to know, where'd you get that money? Really? I mean, yes, transportation will change. I've talked about this before. I mean, for centuries, you had two feet and a horse. That was it. Centuries. And then came the combustible engine, and someone said, hey, let's see if we can put wheels on this. And they came up with a car. Well, cars didn't replace horses overnight. And when the government starts dictating that you have to do this, that's when it all goes to hell. But, you know, Musk is an entrepreneur. He is a brilliant entrepreneur. But all of a sudden, the left doesn't like his politics because he left California. He's moving to Texas. Oh, he, he was our God. And now he's the devil. That's how fast they switch. It's pathetically ridiculous. Good Lord. And I've seen some of my conservative friends do that. It's like they, they hail a person, they hail a person, and then they say one thing that they don't like, and now they don't like him anymore. That's, that's not the way it works. And that's what's wrong with our government. That's not the way it works. Do you think 454 people are going to have the same opinion on one bill? No. You get five people in a room that watch Texas Rangers baseball, and you will get five different opinions on what's wrong with the team. Now, you might find a solid thread that they all adhere to, but they will all say, well, it's the hitting. No, it's the pitching. No, it's the fielding. No, it's the coaches. No, it's the manager. No, it's the GM. No, it's the owners. They're all diverse. But you got to listen. You got to listen. But that seems to be gone today. It's all this knee-jerk pedia crap. And that's the coin. That's the term that I coined about two or three years ago. Hell, it could have been longer than that. And that was all because of politics, that somebody posted something and everybody jumped on and agreed with it, even though it was wrong. And I would get on there and say, this is wrong. Did you do any research, whether it was a conservative post or a liberal post? It really didn't matter, but it's like, you're all just use the plexiglass stomachs that you bought from me. Otherwise, get rid of them. You're not getting a return. I'll, I will tell you that. Now, if you got the wiper assembly on it, I'll think about it. But other than that, just the plain plexiglass stuff. No, that ain't going to happen. It's just not going to happen. You got to think. You got to you got to be logical. You can't believe the very first thing that comes out. So the left is now they're all ganging up on Musk. He doesn't give two shits. If the conservatives ganged up on him, he wouldn't care. He's going to do what he wants to do, just like Edison and Bell and Carnegie and Rockefeller and all these men that shaped this country. They do what they want to and really don't care what anybody else thinks because it's their money. They're the ones taking the risk. Okay. I mean, well, there was an article this morning that the stock market got hammered and uh, Jeff Bezos's net worth dropped $18 billion. 
He's not going to miss that. That's just dropping the bucket. But I don't want to get off track there. Don't want to get off track. But so he bought it. Well, what's to say? Because I looked it up and it's like Facebook and YouTube, I think around 130, 125 to 135 billion. Does he have designs on them? Wouldn't that be something if there was a hostile takeover? Boy, Zuckerberg would shit kittens if that started happening. So don't think they're not watching their stock trades real close now, making making sure that this doesn't happen. But hey, that's what a hostile takeover is all about. But what will he do with Twitter? Hell, I don't know. But according to the left, and I saw that clip from one of those idiots on The View, it's like it's Twitter's going to be all about white men and the, their opinions. And it's like, what the hell are you smoking, woman? Change brands or get your head out of the dryer. God, why ABC even keeps that show on with those ignorant people is beyond me. And they sure ain't nothing to look at. Damn. Bring the Swedish volleyball team in. That might help your ratings. I need to look that I'm I need to look up their ratings. But why would any woman or man want to even be in that audience? I I can't think of a reason why. Because they're about as closed-minded as they get, but they are the antithesis of what's going on in politics. Because they thought Elon Musk was this great person. Well, not now. Oh, no. He's threatening free speech. Well, if you want to bitch about free speech, look at uh, the publisher of Hustler. Damn, what was his name? Flint. Larry Flint. Remember, he had to go to the Supreme Court so he could sell Hustler because It was an expression of free speech. They might not have liked the content of the magazine, but hey, it's free speech. So why is the left so shook up over free speech? In fact, I had a post that I shared a post, and it was on that gal that was portrayed as Aunt Jemima. And this liberal gal I know came on and said, well, you know, it really is a good story but it's it's not true that uh she died being a housekeeper but uh nancy green i believe was her name she did do it for 20 years now the the anchomama company beat her and the gal who replaced her out of money well according to what i was able to research they did okay but she missed the whole point in that she got out of the bonds of slavery she did go to trade shows. She did push this pancake mix. But what really pissed me off is she got one of my books like eight years ago. And I read and reviewed at least three, if not four of hers. So one day I sent her a message and said, hey, uh, when can I expect a review from you? Oh, I'm too busy. My ass. If you got time to come onto my page and post what you did, then you got time because that book's only going to take you since you are an avid reader about four hours, maybe five at the most. 
So it, it, and I met her on, it was called the spinning wheel back when Amazon had those threads until they completely got out of hand and people were losing their minds. Uh, what the hell? Don't tell me you don't have time. Just tell me you're not going to read it. And we'll just settle it. And I won't ask you again, but don't come on. And because I hadn't seen her in a long time, but that's a real. So Elon's doing what Elon does. He's branching out. What, what's going to be his next venture? Who knows? He probably hasn't even thought about it yet. I mean, look at the risk this man has taken through the years. PayPal, there was no guarantee that would work. Tesla Motor Company, there's no guarantee. The uh, I forgot the name of the space program, but damn, if that first rocket would have exploded on the launch pad, would he have thrown his hands up? I mean, he is he is a risk taker. And he doesn't care. And that's, you know, that's how this country was built. Like if you watch the History Channel, the foods that built America, how close like Kraft was. And uh, I forgot the guys who started Domino's, the brothers, but, and there's a lot of those stories. The Colonel. These guys were damn near broke or in close to bankruptcy, and it took off. They had a vision. They wanted to see that vision through. But it wasn't easy. It didn't happen overnight. And that's all Elon is. He's an entrepreneur. I don't know. The left just needs to get over it. Because I guess they think that's their safe space and their comfort zone and blah, blah, blah. And I'm not one. I have a Twitter account, but I don't stay on it. I do my advertising and I move on. Occasionally, I'll go look at some stories from or clips from James Wood. But if I spend more than 10 minutes a week on Twitter, that's a push. It's just nice to, I do it just to see what's going on and see how people have lost their minds. Okay. Commercials. Irritating. No, I'm not going to talk about the news anchors today because I couldn't stomach any of them. And Ainsley Earnhardt, Earhart said something this week that went right by me and I forgot to write it down, but uh, all I saw was a bunch of overpaid idiots yelling at each other. You know, it's just becoming Fox attacks MSNBC and CNN, and they do the same thing. That's not news. That's just a bunch of kids in the sandbox fighting over a toy that when it's all said and done, nobody really wants. So, why waste my time? And I did see a clip where uh, uh, the black guy, Lawrence, was interviewing Sean Hannity because he is the longest running anchor on cable news. I don't care. I still can't stand them. 
and Carlson's got better ratings than him. I don't know. It's just, it's, it's a show. That's why I don't like calling this a show. That's why I call this a broadcast. You agree with me or you disagree with me, but hopefully I will give you information that you will actually think about and say, you know, I didn't, I haven't heard that and I'm going to look at it a different way. But now when it comes to irritating commercials, oh, good Lord, you know, where's that old Wolf brand chili commercial of get a rope? Good Lord. Colonial life is just, it's right up there with the Medicare commercials. And I just love Medicaid commercials. And I just love this one where Jonathan Lawson is at the market and the woman bumps into him. Oh, excuse me. Hi, aren't you that 995 guy? Yes, I'm the 995 from Colonial Life. And then you got the guy across from him who's weighing, weighing some vegetables. Hey, aren't you that 995 guy from Colonial Life? And he, you know, he's still smiling and all. And then you got this next couple that comes up and that same question. <clears throat> now, the commercial I want to see is where he just walks in and says, all right, you dumbasses. My name's Jonathan Lawson. I work for Colonial Life. I promote the 995 plan. It's not my plan. It's the company's plan. So don't you all come up to me one at a time, one by one, and say, hey, aren't you Jonathan, the 995 guy from Colonial Pen or Life, whatever it is? It's like, what did I just say? Are you not listening? Do you get this? Wax, get the cotton out of your ears and put it in your mouth. Yes, I'm not going to tell you people again. And then just start, you know, pick up a cucumber or something, just smack them around a little bit with it. Say, leave me alone. He just needs to wear a big button. I'm Jonathan with Colonial Life. Leave me the hell alone. Now, that's what I'd like to see. Would that sell? Hell, it might. It'd be a little more entertaining than watching two emus getting married. What the hell is Liberty Mutual thinking? That's how you get customers? You have a wedding for two emus? What are they smoking over there? I don't know. Switch brands. That sure doesn't make me want to buy auto insurance from you or home insurance. What, do I get an email with a policy? Like, hell you say. I remember when that was the rage back, what was that, the late 90s, early 2000s? All of a sudden, emu became one of the hot meats on the market. And people started emu farms. I know there were a couple between Rockwall and Terrell. And then they found out this is an absolute disaster. These are mean, nasty animals. I'll beat the hell out of you. And then the market just disappeared. These people lost fortunes. And now we get to see them on commercials. Oh, good Lord. And Liberty Mutual, they they take the cake when it comes to stupidity. I mean, at least Progressive has kind of toned down their commercials a little bit to where they're digestible. But Liberty, it's like, 
again, I don't know what those people are smoking. I know they're being paid way too much to come up with these ad campaigns, but really, none of them, none of them could convince me to buy insurance from them. The only one that I find of interest is the Allstate commercials. At least you know what he's doing, and he's and that spokesperson man—I I didn't look his name up—isn't being stupid. They're comical commercials because most people can relate to the, the mayhem that he has created. We've seen it in the parking lots. We've seen it on the highways. We've seen it in the side streets and suburban areas. But it's just. At least I know what the message is on the other ones. It's like, why don't you just shut the hell up? And if you didn't run all these commercials, what would that policy really cost? Would it drop 25%, maybe 30%? Well, we'll never know. But I don't even talk about the Hartford, Hartford because they're just, I don't know what they're thinking. They've got all their... Actors are on drugs, I think, when they do those commercials. Oh. Okay. They're just irritated. But yeah, I think my name's Jonathan. Go the hell away. Just a big button right there, like the Herbalife buttons I wear. Only it'd be a lot bigger. Then he can put a sign on his back so he can just go to the store and take care of business instead of people bother him all the time. Oh, on the political side. What needs to be said? I don't know. Other than I have no faith in this administration. None. A disinformation organization in politics. Do you see the oxymoron and in the government having a disinformation panel? Really? We know politicians lie, so what, are they going to police themselves? Oh, hell no. So, here's another bureaucracy God knows what this is going to turn into. This is not what we need. We do not need this garbage. And watching Jen Psaki is just, oh, good Lord. I'd rather do my laundry on a washboard than listen to her talk or someone take their fingernails and drag them down a chalkboard for endless hours. Hell, I might even take waterboarding over listening to her. She lies every time she opens her mouth and she doesn't answer a question one. So is she going to be the first one they target on disinformation? I mean, what was she saying just the other day? They're blaming Ukraine for our fuel increases, which is a lie. Yes, it is added to it, but if we were energy independent, it wouldn't be a problem like we were under Trump. And the prices were going up long before Russia decided they'd throw the dice and uh, go after Ukraine. It's just crap. 
And these people in the press, you know, they should just have, I mean, they are just puppets. There is no outcry from them. But remember how they treated Trump and Kaylee and uh, Sanders? They weren't sitting there politely with legs crossed and faces somber. They were yelling at them the whole time, just yelling questions. And while they were trying to answer them, they just continued to yell at them. But uh, now they just sit there and take this crap Ola that they're being fed. That's not news. That's just blind propaganda from the word go. That's all it is. Disinformation panel. My ass. Please. Oh, and Russia. I don't know if you saw this. Russia put sanctions on Congress. Really? I'm not... I'm not lying. Since we put all those sanctions on Russia, well, they fired a shot. Well, we're just going to put sanctions on congressmen and senators and anyone else we don't like. So I wonder, does Bernie still have an open invitation to have his fifth honeymoon in Moscow? wonder if he's on the list. But that was just, That was so ridiculous. I just didn't understand it. Didn't understand it. The war in Ukraine. I caught, who is it? Pete Kavoda or Dave Kavoda, whatever his name is. And he was asking one of their hosts, is Ukraine winning? What a stupid question. Yes, they're winning. Well, how do you know? Well, the Russians quit driving on Kiev for one and kind of pulled way back. They're not making any progress in the east. Limited progress in the south. Yeah. An idiot. Helen Keller could see that Ukraine's winning. And we discussed this at dinner last night. And if history is going to repeat itself, since it's raining over there and the ground has turned to mush, which I talked, I mentioned this two months ago that this is going to happen. Haven't heard anyone in the press talk about it because they don't know what they're talking about. Zelensky is building up his military. Don't think he isn't. They are training people because this is the lull. This is the period where no one's going to really have offensive actions. Yes, there are going to be artillery barrages. Yes, there are going to be airstrikes. But movement on the ground is very limited because of the current ground conditions. Ain't going to happen. They're going to build up their forces. And in middle to end of May, we're going to see offensive action from Ukraine. They're going to 
go north of Kiev and make sure that whole area is clear up to the Belarusian border. Then they're going to go to the east around Kharkov. And if they are able to mass the forces, they're going to have a pincer blitzkrieg per se from World War II and cut off those Russian forces and encircle them just like what happened to the 6th Army in Stalingrad in 42. Then those Russian forces, they will either surrender or be killed. Now that leaves the South. The South is a whole different ballgame because Ukraine does not have a formidable Navy, so they don't have the capabilities of a large amphibious assault. So this is going to be reminiscent of 1944-45, starting on December 16th, when the Germans launched their Ardennes offensive. Due to the horrible terrain and the road network, we just couldn't set up our forces and cut that, cut that big German pocket off. It took six weeks of going head-to-head and battering them back to the initial start line. And that's what's going to happen in the South. That's going to be conventional warfare. So, yeah, Ukraine's winning because they're finally getting everything that everyone promised. All the weapons they need. And not every military campaign is successful. I mean, look at our civil war. We didn't have, as a northerner, we didn't have a successful campaign and battle until Gettysburg. And that was just kind of a fluke. But up until then, the North was, they'd lost damn near every battle, with the exception of Grant. He had a couple of victories over there in Tennessee. And then his eyes were fixed on Vicksburg. And it took a long time for that battle to be decided. But uh, we don't win every battle. George Patton had some horrible losses at times. But from what I can tell, the Ukraine has some really good generals. Zelensky has good generals. They understand, understand history, topography, and tactics. So that's what I look forward to happening and what they said. Neil Cavuto, that's his name. It's like, well, it's been 65 days. Did you think it would last this long? It's a war. Nobody knows how long it's going to last. Did we know how long? The war would last when we went into Iraq to cut off Saddam's forces in Kuwait. No one thought it was going to end that fast. No one. We go into Afghanistan. Anybody think it was going to last 20 years? No. Vietnam. Anyone think it was going to last what? 
is that 10 or 12 years? No, you don't know how long a war is going to last. And to put a timeline on it just to meet your narrative is utter stupidity. That's all it is. It will be over when it's over and not before that. And not because you want it to be over, but then that's what the media does. And I, that's why I can't watch them. I'm not interested in their ignorant, uneducated foolishness. And to me, that's all it is. So, yeah. Ukraine is doing good. And uh, th- this did come up at dinner last night. Okay, so the Russians cut off oil. That's not an act of war. Because those countries are buying it. Well, now you don't have it. Well, then we got to find a different source. You know, look at what America did in World War II. We went from an absolutely pathetically unprepared country to a superpower. And that started... You know, the war started in 1939. We really didn't get involved and start gearing up until 1942. So 42, 43, 44, and not quite half of 45. So in three and a half years, we went from an inept country to the giant, the biggest economic engine and military in the world three and a half years that's all it took that's pretty damn phenomenal absolutely phenomenal that is the capacity of america when it is tapped which this administration i don't think i would ask them to put a cork in a bottle they don't know what they're doing they don't understand what they are in charge of And God, it's going to take a long time to clean this mess up if the right people, and I do mean the right people, get in office. Just not any old Republican or independent or libertarian, but people with vision, people like Elon Musk. But they have to have political vision. They have to put, as Donald said, America first, and then we'll deal with everyone else. That's the only way this is going to work. You know, like Donald Trump, don't like Donald Trump. You can't argue that his policies were rock solid for America. Because what we've got now is, I don't know. I thought Obama was bad. I thought Jimmy Carter was bad. Now, I hadn't seen bad. And now we're saying it. And if you're a Biden supporter, hey. That's your choice. I'm just telling you, it was a horrible choice. I can't think of anything that guy is doing is good at all. All right, we're getting close to the top of the hour. So I'm going to throw this in because that's enough politics and all that. I've been watching MeTV a lot lately. Memorable Entertainment out of Chicago. And I've been thinking about this. I really like Chuck Connors. Here comes the baseball. He played for the L.A. Dodgers until he got hurt, and then he went into acting. 
but that show, The Rifleman, how would you like to have had a dad like Chuck Connors? He is teaching you excellent lessons. I mean, that's what I love about the old shows. You know, Leave It to Beaver might be corny and all, but the messages that they're getting across to their kids and the values and morals they're teaching them made our country great. And then the left started trying to, they didn't try, they started tearing it all down in the late 60s and 70s, and they haven't stopped since. And they don't even know what their end game is. But how would you like to have a dad that is a rancher, he's a farmer, he's got great morals, he's a good teacher, he's a disciplinarian, but he's also a hell of a fighter and kills a lot of people. Well, think about that. What'd your dad do today? Oh, man, he had to go into town and help the sheriff kill these gangsters, kill these outlaws. Well, how many did your dad kill? Three. Did they deserve it? Yeah, Pa said they deserved it. And I just love the way, you know, I'd like to know how long it took Chuck to learn how to spin that rifle and cock it. But I really like that show. Because, yeah, it's set in the 19th century. After the Civil War, what is it, like 1880, somewhere in there? He's teaching Mark how to be a good citizen and how to get along with people. But you know, son, every once in a while, you're going to come, come across some people that uh, they just don't listen. And they're going to push the envelope too far, but let them make the first move. Because, you know, Mark got in a couple of fights. And the first thing Lucas wanted to know is, who's, what was it about and who started it? Because if Mark was at fault, well, he got punished. But if he was defending himself, then Lucas was right there with him going, son, that's what a man does. That's what a real man does. And uh, where has that gone? You know, between that and common sense, we are really hurting right now. And we need a whole lot more of that, which I'm sure I got to send a message real quick. We need to get back to that. I don't know if it's going to be possible. But I think it can. It would be painful, and there would be a lot of flack from the left. Yeah, you need to say the Pledge of Allegiance in school. You need to sing the Star Spangled Banner. I remember going to football games, and before each game, there was a pastor, minister, whatever, someone some sort of prayer was read before each game that everyone who showed up would leave the field intact. It would be safe and we're going to have a great game. What is so wrong with that? If you don't like that, don't show up. If it offends you, stay home. 
because that's all I see from the left today is that they're offended by everything. Well, I'm offended just looking at you. I don't know what you're talking about. Why do you hate America so much? Because you want to form it into a communist country that none have ever worked in the annals of history? There is one exception. At least it's holding together right now, and that's China. But China had a switch. They realized the communist doctrine was what they wanted to follow. But if they didn't have money to support the cause, then where's it going to come from? So they had to invoke a sense of capitalism. I mean, they got to watch Hong Kong for all those years thrive because it was still under British rule until the lease went up. They watched them thrive. Hong Kong was making money. And China realized to support our cause, we need hard currency. And back then, the dollar was hard currency. And they needed it. But every other place, it has failed miserably. And the way our government is going... It's, it's failing miserably. I haven't looked up our debt lately, but I know the last time I looked at it, I think it was $30 trillion. We got to be close to 31 Let's see. What does the national debt clock say right now? And that's the way you look this up. National debt clock. We are... trillion upside down. Doesn't that give you a warm, fuzzy feeling? And it's only going to get worse. Okay. Is it 3 o'clock? It is. Okay. We're getting ready to start the baseball segment. If you want to call in, it's 888-627-6008. Or 323-744-4831. I'll say it again. 888-627-6008 or 323-744-4831. And Don, if you want to run one of my commercials real quick, let me go see if I can get our guest. So I'll be right back. It is a sad state of affairs when you have to go across the hall and bang on the door to say, hi, 
put on some clothes and get your ass over here. I mean, he and I have been talking about this for a week. I'll be there. I'll be on time. I'll be on time. But so I can go through some of this real quick. Because I got there's also a golf story, but I don't want to get into that. Oh, I do want to go over one thing before we get into this. COVID. I found an article on COVID, April 22nd, 2022, from Bob Cronin on the Newser staff. And he made this great revelation of that it's the third leading killer. Is that what he said? Yeah, number three in mortalities. Where were you? two years ago when I was tracking the numbers and why in this article, didn't you say that uh, let's see of the cases. And, and this is factual under Biden, there've been 53 million under Trump. There were 26 million on mortalities under Biden, 520, 27,000 and under Trump, 462,000. So somebody tell me where are the memes of Biden voters of all the voters in cemeteries. You remember those? I do. And then his article really starts talking about uh, minorities and all that. It's like, dude, I really don't give two shits about it. I mean, I read the whole thing, but I really didn't care. It was pathetic. Absolutely. All right. So I'm just going to throw that away. I'm just going to rip that out. on the back because I will not refer to that again. So let's get into baseball. And when he gets over here, we'll have to backtrack a bit to golf. But uh, I am a Texas Ranger, a Detroit Tiger, and Texas Ranger fan first. That's just the way it is. And neither one of those teams is doing anything but taking up space. It is a very sad state of affairs and our guest is slowly making his way over he has his high chair because the way my room's set up okay let me back the camera out Come on, Sunshine. I'm here. All right. Are you in? Yeah. There he is. Look at that. Doesn't he look better than when I had Lee Stewart on? <laughs> Y'all remember him? He was on last summer, and we were talking about what was going on in the NFL and stuff, and I had one of those lawn chairs, and he was sitting in it when I saw the replay. You, could you barely could see Lee. I mean, he was short to begin with, but this was something. Okay. So this is Wesley Ford, and I found a story that you and I were talking about before we start arguing baseball. <laughs> After 651 golf balls hit their property, they sued the country club. I saw that. Did you see what they settled for? Oh, it's ridiculous. Three and a half million. That's crazy. Now, you know, we, it, it's odd that we had talked about this. But uh, it's like to me, it's like living by the airport. You chose to live there. What did you think was going to happen? See, I can't argue with you on that because I agree with you. 
you chose to live there. If your dang house gets hit by 300 golf balls, you either take it or you move. So I can't believe they give them that much money. What really got me was, let's see, with Indian Pond Country Club shattering windows and making it hazardous for their three young daughters to play outside. <laughs> I guess it could be, but still. You chose to you live chose there. You chose to live there. Anyway, I remember when all those people moved to Grapevine and then DFW started expanding and they started bitching about the noise. Yeah. You chose to live by the airport. What did you think would happen? Or are you just stupid? I mean, and why would, why did they even hear this case? Well, that's right. It was in Massachusetts. Well, they're a bunch of yeah, morons. Well, that explains everything right there. I mean, God, I, I would definitely appeal that. Okay. Now, Wes is a Yankees fan. Because that's what he was grown up with. Well, you tell him why you're a Yankees fan. My mother loved the Yankees. I had five brothers and a sister, and she let us watch anything we wanted on TV anytime except Saturday mornings, the game of the week, which was mostly always the Yankees. You either watched the Yankees with her or you went outside and played baseball. And we pretty much watched the Yankees with her. And that made me a Yankee fan. I don't, uh, I love the Yankees as a team. I think the fans are crazy, but I just like the team. I, I don't care about the fans. Now, what did you think about those fans that happened at the Guardians game? Crazy. I mean, that's just what the, New what, York. What should they do? Well, you know, okay. Philadelphia is not much better if you remember Jimmy Johnson and the ice balls. Yeah. Oh, yeah. But how do, you, how do you stop that? When you ban them, I, uh, maybe the ones you catch, you got them. Got them on camera or whatever. Nowadays, everything's on camera. Yes. Just ban them from ever coming to a game again. And five or ten of them get banned. And next time, people think before they start throwing stuff. So, should they have more – should the stadiums have more security people out there just in case? I mean, I'm uh, – I guess, but, I mean, you know, kind of a waste of money. I mean, you can put 100 security guards out there. And nothing ever happens. You're kind of wasting money, but but you know if you you've look, got enough people. If you look between the half innings, there's always cops on the field. Yeah, you ever notice that? Oh yeah, I'm noticing. Yeah, especially in places like New York and we got them here. Oh, I know, but I mean, it seems to happen more in places like New York. Okay, now here's one for you. Have you you know who Trevor Bauer is, right? The name hit. I'm trying to think. Okay, he was he had an attitude. He's the guy that pitched for the Indians and got pissed off one day and from the mound threw the ball into the center field stands. Remember that? Uh, All right, you I don't remember really anything. Remember that. It was like two years ago. Well yeah. he the, he went to the Dodgers and this woman filed a sexual harassment suit against him. The, so he's on paid leave. L.A. County has decided not to prosecute for lack of evidence. The MLB just gave him a 324-game suspension. I don't think they should have given him anything. If the police are not going to 
prosecute him, then he really didn't commit a crime, according to them. So why should he get any time from off from Major League Baseball? Well, that'd be Paul Manfred, the same guy that moved the All Star game from Atlanta to Denver. Yeah, I mean, usually you you watch football and all like that. Uh, the NFL is not going to do anything to the players until until the, the police. police have done something. If they do something, the NFL will do something. But usually, if the police don't do it, they say no charges, not going to charge. The guy shouldn't be charged for it. I mean, he should be allowed to play baseball. He shouldn't be suspended at all. Well, you and I agree on that. I mean, I, I mean, I, I've never seen a suspension. That's like two and a half years. And that's what I'm saying. I'm saying it was a year. I'm saying it was a whole year. I'm just no, baseball season. No, 324 games. two seasons. No pay. Mm. I bet you it'll be he'll wind up uh, suing them and well, he's gonna be reinstated it. or something. Okay. Now I did a few numbers here to see just how sad the Rangers are and the Tigers. The Rangers are winning percentage is 221. They're in 21st. Detroit is 227. They're in 19th. The Yanks is 249. They're in 7th. The ERA is the Dodgers is 215. The Yanks is 284. Tigers 346. Texas 476. I don't understand this. And you know, how can the Rangers be the third tied for the third worst record in the MLB? Yeah. <laughs> the way I watch them, they, they should be uh, all by themselves first place for the worst record in baseball. Well, they're not. I don't watch Detroit, so I don't know how sorry they are, but they well, got to be sorry if they're right there with the Rangers. They're rebuilding. Yeah. But yeah. they're not as bad as the Reds. The Reds, they're. Their winning percentage is 150. They've won like three games the whole season. So that's we're not as year. bad as the Reds. But that's this year, or have they been that way for years? Uh, the last couple of years, and then I called a buddy of mine yesterday who's up there, and I said, what has happened to the big red machine? And he goes, it died. Maybe they're tanking on purpose to get some good players. Well, he said they had a big sell-off, kind of like what the Marlins have done through the years knowing they'd be horrible for a year or two. Yeah. And they just, he said, we're not expecting anything this year, but we weren't expecting it to be this bad, (laughs) really. Now, let's talk about some rules. I know where we're going here. Well, you should. Now, if you all have comments on this, I'll give the phone number again. It's 888-627-6008. Wes is in favor of an electronic strike zone, and I am not. I was an umpire for over 25 years. Now, what makes you think that's going to be such a good idea? Well, because I played sports my whole life, especially baseball, from sunup to sundown every day, and... I'd say 50% of the time, the umpire gets it wrong. 
That's crap. It's, no, and no, no, no. Have you called a game? Have you called a game? Uh, I played plenty of games, no. and I saw. Did you ever get behind the plate and call the game? I don't. Yeah, I did a couple of times. Just when I had to coach my, they made us once a season. We had to umpire our kids' baseball. Games. Okay. Now, did you think you called a good game? I thought. I mean, for, for not knowing what I was doing, other than trying to trying to call it right, I thought I did okay, but. But I'm sure I was like everybody. I'm sure I missed some calls. Well, but it's like anything. It takes practice. But, and but, you've got to get into it. But here, here's where I don't like it. Uh, if you've got rules like you do in every sport, all right, baseball, the strike zone. Yeah. It should be same. They should have a school they should go to. Everyone should have to call the same. They do people. have a school in Florida. Okay. All right. That's great. But it doesn't work because every every umpire – is a little different. Well, I got to I call a low strike. This one calls a high strike. That's BS. It should all be the same. And the way we played, I mean, my oldest brother taught us how to play. And the way we played, we didn't need an umpire to call the balls. If the ball was close enough to the plate, we were going to swing and hit it. We didn't care if it was a strike or a ball. It could be. Okay, so what? Two you, feet outside, and we could well, get our bat on it. We'd hit it. No one's going to swing at anything two feet outside. We do, and we hit them. <laughs> well, then you stepped on the plate, and you'd be out. You nah, had to step across the plate nah, to go to. Yes, you did. Yeah, you lean. You did not step on the plate. Yeah, well, you're falling over when you swing the bat. But uh, but anyway, I mean, so, I, I think it's coming. Out. I think next year or two they're going to try it. I don't know. How long. Didn't they already try it in a minor? They're trying it in the minors. But, you know, as an umpire, that's what keeps us in the game. Now you're taking 80% of the game away from us. So what are we supposed to do? Just kind of stand there? Stand back there and have a beer. What? And drink a, <laughs> smoke a cigarette, drink a beer. And then all of a sudden something happens at the plate. And we're like, oh, I need to wake <laughs> up. I am against it because that's going to that's gonna take our concentration away, you know. Go back to that play in the World Series between the Orioles and the Reds because I, I got in a debate with these idiots on the MLB dugout forum on Facebook where Carbo bench hit the ball. It hit the plate. The umpire came from behind the plate to see if he caught it in fair territory or foul. And Carbo slides behind the umpire, but he misses the plate. Uh, the catcher for the Orioles swipes a tag, but the ball's on the ground because he he drops it. Well, he was called out, and the, everyone was debating the umpire was out of position. I said, then you tell me where the hell he should have been to where he could see that the ball was caught in fair territory. There was no other place for him to be. And when you take away the strike zone of us responsible for it, well, what are we done? Just daydreaming and collecting a check? That that is, uh, I'm not a fan of that. Not at all. I mean, it's ridiculous. That's there's going to be human error. No matter. I mean, even with replay, are they getting all the replays right? No, I don't think. Okay, <laughs> but replay was supposed to be the end all to make the perfect game, which doesn't exist. There will never be a perfect game. 
mistakes are going to be made no matter made, what. But I mean, this is so many made on strike zone. Well, that could be eliminated really. Well, okay. Look at where, where did Rand, Randy Johnson live well, I mean, when he coached? I, I understand. All good pitchers paint the corners and all. Yeah. But a lot of his pitches, you can, you know, they were probably off the plate, but you knew it was coming. You better be swinging. Mariano Rivera. I mean, Ryan, you you look at all these guys and how great they were. But well, they threw strikes. They hit the plate. They weren't calling balls. Not, well, we can say that now, but if you go back and look at some of those replays, well, maybe not. Oh, I just Well, yeah, a guy's got a no-hitter going in the ninth inning, and there's one just a little bit outside. What do you think umpire is going to call? He's going to call it a strike because he wants to see the guy get the no hitter. He's not going to call it. A we ball. don't. Th- we don't think like that. We don't care. We can't care if it's a no hitter or a perfect game. We call the strike zone. That's it. I, I see. I, I, it's human error, like you say, but it's also if you're an umpire and I make you mad in my previous at bat, and I come at the bat. You're going to have it in for me. You're going to call some strikes that aren't strikes. No. Well, I'll teach this guy. Nope. Never well, did that. You may say you don't, but I guarantee you there's some that well, do. Well, there are some that do, but I didn't care. The only time I did something like that was when I was calling a Dallas Christian game, and this kid threw a perfect strike. If you'd have been the pitcher, you'd have probably stormed the plate and taken the bat and tried to hit me. It was a perfect pitch. It was too perfect. Well, how's that possible? It's like, was that a mistake? And when I called it a ball, the catcher started turning and said, don't do it, man. Don't don't turn your head. And the batter stepped out of the box to get a sign. I just leaned down. And I said, can he do that again? He threw the exact same pitch. It wasn't a fluke. And, yeah, I rung the batter up and said, son, you don't get that pitch twice. And the catcher was like, really? And I said, yeah. That was too pretty. I, I got to see that again. I want you to throw that again. And it was. It was right on the black part of the plate on the outside corner, just at the knees. And it's like, yeah, give that man a cigar. But with this electronic stuff, it's, you know, one, if you got someone like Jose Altuve and Aaron Judge, then they're going to have to have the technology to where, it fits their strike zone because yeah. no one strike zone is the same. But then, you know, look at Pete Rose. How did he bat? He was always bent over. He made the zone small. Well, we are taught that you call the strike zone based on a normal batter's stance. So if they curl up like a roly-poly, yeah. that strike, you know, the strike zone could be at their head. Yeah. And I called that, and coaches got mad, and I just looked at him and said, tell him to take a normal stance. And he's going to crouch then. So is this is the technology going to be able to make that adjustment between Altuve and Judge? Because it has to. I mean, what's Judge, 6'9"? Yeah. He's all, and Altuve's like the Puerto Rican, 5'8", five, five, nothing, you know? <laughs> yeah. He's he's, he's – it's it's got to be able to adjust to that. I don't know if they can do that because if you look on the TV, now I'm glad they've taken that down. You notice that on the Ranger games, you don't see the box anymore. No, I didn't. I ain't watched the game. Well, they they took it down. 
and uh, it's I just I I just can't see them getting this right. I think yeah. it's going to cause more problems with batters because they're just they're going to be fighting the same thing. Only who do you argue with? Well, there's no one to argue with. Argue. Well, that's that you know that's half of the fun of baseball. You've <laughs> got to admit. Don't you miss managers going out there and raising hell on a bad call? Only the good ones that you did, Billy Martin. Well, Martin, Weaver. People like that. These other guys, I don't care about them going out and arguing. I just like I like to see Billy kick dirt all over them. Well, <laughs> we all enjoyed that. But, I mean, Chris Woodward has the – I don't think he could excite a flea. No, he get, I ain't ever seen him get excited about anything. Only once. I saw it <laughs> once, but it's like, why are, you, why are you even doing this? I don't know. So, you know, the rain, you agree. What, I still don't understand why you want an electronic strike zone. I just want them to try and see how it helps the game if it does. Why don't you just do it on next year, preseason, let's use it. If it works good, put it in for the season. If it doesn't, say, okay, that deal's not going to work. Okay. But I think they should try it. No. Too much human error, man. And, and while we're on the subject of rules, I never have liked the rule of calling a guy to second base because he's in the vicinity. He needs it. Oh, they got rid of that. Well, I know finally, but it's still, they still, uh-huh. I still see them give the guy the benefit uh-huh. of that. Oh, yeah. He, he, <clears throat> no, no. It's not in the vicinity. You need to. Have your foot on that bag at least for a half a second, you know. I just I don't understand it. No, they're they're still holding them to that. In fact, that's what happened in a game the other night where uh well, was the Rangers and the Rockies, what was that a week and a half ago? Where the game ended on a double play because Garver oh, yeah. Garver went into second. Well, the way he went yeah. into second, he was still yeah. on the bag, but he, he you know, he lowered his shoulder and turned into a ball, and it's like he's going after he's going after the fielder. Yeah. He's not going to the base. Well, Pete Rose used to do that all the time. He'd take him out of second base. <laughs> well, they all did back then, but you know, we understand why they had the in in the neighborhood play because shortstops and second basemen were, you know, it was like a linebacker hunting a quarterback. They were trying to take him out. You know, that's where they came up with the Chase Utley rule. But it was the, you know, when the umpires weren't, when it was obvious the runner wasn't going after the base, they they wouldn't call him out. I said, why aren't you calling him out? He's not even making an attempt to go. He's just going after the fielder. But they wouldn't call them out. Well, that's a rule. Yeah. And that's been my problem with these, quote, rule changes that have come up. They've always been in the book. Why didn't you enforce them? It's like the, uh, oh, who was who's the catcher for the Giants? Who's so great? Buster Posey. Yeah. You know, he got his leg broken at the plate. Yeah. Well, the rule book says you can't block the plate until you have possession of the ball. It's in there when I umpired. But they were letting them block the plate before they received the throw. Why? And this this was my problem with baseball commissioners. The rules are there. Why aren't you enforcing them? You don't need all – it's just like 
They're talking about a pitch count clock. It's in the rule book. 20 seconds. Catcher throws the ball back. You got 20 seconds. And now they're talking about next year that on pickoff plays, if you throw the ball over three times and you don't get him on the third time, he's automatically awarded second base. What type of crap is that? <laughs> Explain nah. that. Yeah, that's what they're talking about. Well, if you had Ricky Henderson on base, you might throw it over half a dozen times oh, yeah. Yeah. just to keep him honest going, you're not going to steal on me. You're not going to – even though you know he's going to steal on you. But, you know, that I, I don't think that's good for the game either. No. Just – they want to shorten the game, but then they lengthen it with replay. And here's why I don't watch that much baseball anymore. It drives me crazy. Because we're talking about rules and all. And a year or two, a couple of years ago, they addressed this. They said, all right, we're going to stop this. From now on, the batter cannot step out of the box in between each pitch and tighten his gloves, rewrap his gloves, and play around, and then get back in there 30 seconds later. You need that to stay in that box for the whole way back. You know, now, I don't know, if your shoe comes untied or something, yeah, okay, you can step out tight. But, see, that fits in with the 20-second rule, rule for the pitcher. Pitcher's going to throw, and I've had it happen in games where, you know, the coach was trying to slow the game down, and we were coming up on 20 seconds. I just pointed at the pitcher and said, throw the ball. And he did. And it was a horrible pitch, and I called it a strike. And the batter goes, what was that? The coach like, what was that? And I said, if he's not in the box, then the strike zone is whatever I've decided is. I have nothing to gauge it off of. There you have it. Stay in the box, son. But my, my question is, they supposedly made that a rule, or it was a rule, and they started enforcing it. They were supposed to a couple of years ago. They haven't done it. The batters are still getting out of the box and playing around after every pitch. But It's a waste of time. You could cut off probably 20 to 30 minutes still, out of the game. The pitcher has 20 seconds to deliver that pitch. But nobody enforces it. No, but they I are. I know you know the rules. They're they watching it. it. They're, they're watching it. But, and that's just it. It's there. The rule's there. If the batter doesn't want to get in the box, because as an umpire, that's our deal. Get in the box. And if you don't want to get in the box, he's going to throw a pitch. And it's going to be a strike. Uh, hell, I wouldn't even make the guy throw a pitch. If, if no, you don't get in there to no, win, it's only a strike. No, you got to throw a pitch. <laughs> Otherwise, it's a phantom. It's like the ghost runners we get in extra innings now. They just magically appear like lucky charms on second base. What are they growing out there? And I just – there's rules. They've been there for a long time. They just don't enforce them. It drives me nuts. And that's the problem. Why that's won't they enforce them? Yeah. I don't understand this. It's real simple. But, you know, with Bud Selig and now Rob Manfred, we've got a bunch of spineless bozos running the organization. Yeah. And none of them have a clue what the hell they're doing. I don't get it. All right. Now, Wes and I have a bet. I say the Rangers are going 80 and 82. And all he did was laugh. <laughs> He's still laughing. Still laughing. Now, before we get into that, did you see what, you know, we were at dinner last night. He was at Dunstan's mm-hmm. with us. And I think you showed up late, but the Braves had an inside the park home run. I didn't see that. Yeah, I was late. I guess I didn't see it. Center field. This is Garcia's third major error in center field this year. Now, you were big on Garcia. Man, I like his bat, yeah. 
Well, I never really watched his fielding, well, but if he's that bad, somebody needs to be working with him as a got to be a coach on the team working with him, making him better defensive player. Well, we can agree the Rangers don't have any coaches. Well, evidently not. You know, what is it? they got two pitching coaches? Two what, pitching that is coaches. Ridiculous. And you had the best pitching coach in baseball, and you let him go. Maddox. Dummies. Who's running that team? I don't know. I know. We know. Daniels. We don't like the way he runs it. Daniels, yeah. Well, Daniels is a dumbass. And he should have been fired a long time ago. He man. should have been, but he conned the owners, and we're stuck with him for another two years. Uh, two years is up. Then he's how fast they can get him out of there. So, but I guess they thought he was a wonder boy because who was he? He was from the Yankee. No, the, no, there was a Woodward came from the. I don't know. I don't know. No, where no, I'm Daniels. not talking about Woodward. I'm oh. talking. Daniels. No, Daniels, yeah. I don't know where he came, he came Yankee, from. He was under that great baseball god. The Yankees had, and because he learned under him, oh yeah, he's a he's a young stud, and they bring him here to Texas. He ain't done nothing right that I've seen. Hey, ran Nolan Ryan off. Ran Nolan Ryan off, which was another stud move. You think? Uh, paid too much money to who? Alex Rodriguez? Is that who? No, no, no. That was before no, John Daniels. No, it was the other guy, the shortstop. Got him from the Yankees. Paid him all that money. He didn't do squat. From the Yankees. Yeah, next... it was. It, who's the other guy? It was like Rodriguez, but Rodriguez was later. Well, Chris Young was. took second base because he started moving around. Then the next shortstop we had that I remember was Elvis Andrews. And he didn't come from the Yankees. No, we had. I know, you know, is it Rodriguez? We got Rodriguez from the Mariners. I know, but we got him. The fact is, we got him. We paid way too much money, and he did. Oh, yeah, put the, but all it was was he did put butts in the seats, and that's all well, they cared about. And the game that I went to and watched him play, he had two errors. Oh yeah, I mean, he but was he was better than most of what we had at well, that time. Not really, but he that wasn't was, worth all the money they gave him. That was bad. In fact, I in fact, I think it was that game. Barry Bonds was with the Giants, or it could have been another game. Was that he got picked off at first base? And the pitcher never threw the ball over the first baseman had the whole time. <laughs> and the it was great because the first base coach for the Giants, he didn't even look at Barry. He just walked off, <laughs> shaking his head. And it's like, hey, Barry, how'd that feel? And he, just, he was standing out there by himself like, what the hell happened? You're out, Bonds. Go take another steroid. Life would be good. Yeah, we used to do that in Sandlot ball. Act like we threw the ball back to the pitcher and keep him in our yes. glove and get off base and tag him out. Yeah, well, that still happened. So... <laughs> You still think you're going to win the bet? Yeah, yeah, I still don't think they'll win 80 games. Why? I've just seen them too many years, especially the last couple of years. They ain't got the pitching. They probably, no, they've got the pitching I'd now. put their offense with anybody, you know, but their defense, I mean, they're pitching. I mean, they'll start well, having games where they're giving up 10 and 12 runs a game, and you can't outslug the other team every time. I'll say this much. They're – Batting average is up 11 points. They're hitting 227 right now. Who's smoking? <laughs> well, it's better than the 216 they hit last year, but they're not getting, again, key hits. I mean, the record shows it, and I'm convinced. I, I believe they've got the pitchers that they need, but until they get a pitching coach, yeah, my bet doesn't look real good right now. <laughs> I, I just don't understand it. And this was a debate I got into. You understand pitchers' forms. And I think it was Hearn. They had a picture of it. And it looked like, I don't know, it looked like a jack-in-the-box. And I said, that is a picture 
that personifies bad form. And these two guys mm-hmm. jumped on me and said, well, why don't you go try out since you seem to know everything? And I said, obviously, you are just morons and don't remember Seaver and Ryan, even, uh, oh, who's the guy that played for the Red Sox and the Yankees and came from University of Texas? Uh, uh, he won't get in the Hall of Fame because of steroids. What is his name? Oh, damn it. You know, Clemens. Him. Yeah. You know, you look at those guys, Mariano, they had form. They, as Ryan said, it starts at the toes and ends in your fingers. And these guys are up there, the majority, they're just whipping their arms. They wonder why they're having Tommy John surgery all the time because your form sucks. And these guys were ragging on. I said, y'all need to go back and chill because I, they have not seen a pitcher blow his arm out on the mound. I saw this in Tulsa, 12-year-old kid. He had the worst delivery in the world. And the coach was happy with it. He when he let go of a pitch, you could hear it pop. His arm fell to his side. And as I look, the coach said, he's done. Good job. He's done. But, oh, he could throw a curveball like that. He ain't going to throw anything the rest of his life thanks to your moronic move. So, you know, you see this in the majors. How come – why is there no staying power with these pitchers? You see anyone that can pitch – can throw 250 innings anymore, especially for the money they're making. They put, they'd like you to pitch 100 pitches. No, innings. innings. Like, you know, yeah. you know, when we well, grew up. You, if, got a, you got a few guys, but I don't think they can do 250. They might do 200 innings. But will they leave them in the game that long? When we grew up, you're expected to go nine innings. Yeah. Not five, not six. And to say, you know, these sports morons that, oh, he threw five quality innings. He's a starter. He's supposed to throw nine. Yeah, nine, not five. But and that's the way it is nowadays. It's a specialized pitching, relieving. You know, all they want their starter to do is give them six good innings. We'll take it from there. But it's that, to me, is settling for mediocrity. <laughs> it is. We didn't have – when Nolan Ryan was here, when he, first thing he came in, you guys aren't pitching six. You're going nine. Yeah. He's going to pitch nine innings. And those guys did. And they got better and they did it. Unless they had a bad day, which Nolan said, everyone's going to have a bad day. Right. But nine out of ten times you go out there, you, you should be able to give them nine innings if you're a good pitcher. Yes. And, you know, as far as I'm concerned, analytics is just screwing with their minds and they've got so much information, they don't know what to do with it. Mm-hmm. And why is Chris Woodward always writing – Notes is is he talking to his wife or something? I don't because know. it's not translating to the field. I think he'd be better off to be watching the game instead of writing notes all the time. You think? <laughs> yeah. You should have enough. You got enough coaches on the bench. Let one of them write the notes if you really need them. Yeah, because you know, all the managers like Jim Leland, did Tommy Lasorda, Earl Weaver, did they have a notepad in hand? I never saw no. Them one. No. <laughs> They watched the game, and I, I loved it when they asked Jim Leland one day, is he on a pitch count? And he goes, no. Well, don't you have pitch counts? No. Well, how do you know when he's done? By watching him. I can tell when a pitcher's done. I don't need someone to say he's throwing 105 pitches. I don't care. Yeah. If he's thrown 200 and is having a good day, he stays. 
but uh, I'd like to look and see. I know it was ridiculous how many, the most pitches Nola Ryan threw in a game. It was crazy. One hundred sixty or seventy? No, no. It was no. It was uh, it was one was with the California Angels, and he threw sixteen innings. It was over three hundred pitches in that game, if I'm not mistaken. <laughs> but the Angel, their opponents did the same thing. They left their starter in. Yeah. They weren't pulling anybody out. But if he didn't know how to pitch, he had probably damn sure got Tommy John surgery. Yeah, you think but that, he knew how to use his whole body and not mess up his arm. That's that's ridiculous. I don't know. All right, so what do you think your Yankees are gonna do this year? I really hadn't watched a lot of them, but they'll be as usual. They'll be right there fighting with Boston for the division. <clears throat> and what do you think about your boy Joey Gallo? I don't I've never liked Joey Gallo. I didn't like him when he was here. And when they traded into the Yankees, I hated it. I thought, why did y'all trade with a guy? I mean, he's the most I can't even I don't even think you could count on him to get one out of get one out of four hits. Out of four bats, I don't think he can get lucky to get one hit. Okay, you don't That's like batting two fifty and he doesn't do that good. So he's a two hundred hitter. And yeah. and when he's not hitting home runs, which he's a slump home run hitter, he'll hit a streak, he'll hit five home runs in two games, and then he'll go ten games without hitting a home run. Okay, but does his fielding offset yeah, his fielding's performance good, at the plate? But I can't I, – I don't know. Everybody doesn't make me. I don't care how good your defense is. If you can't hit your way out of paper bag, you ain't, you're going to be sitting on the bench. But no uh, one's – no. he's got the most accurate arm in the MLB. I know. I mean, he's a good – good as good, but – how are you going to get him to start hitting? I mean, somebody, some coaches either got to get with him and help him. Let's say, hey, look, something. we don't want the home runs. We just want to get base gets hit the dang ball. Let's see what his average is right now. Oh, I bet it's below 200. Well, I don't know. See, I love his defense. Well, I do too. I've seen him throw guys out. I mean. 153. I think my grandmother could hit that. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I'm pretty sure she's a pretty good ball player. <laughs> One fifty-three. But you know, it is early, and this is his first full season with the Yankees because he went there what halfway through last. He went there at the trade deadline in July. Last year. So have they had enough time to work with him on his swing? I think he's kind of kind of hard-headed like I forget what football player it was. He wouldn't change his throw up. They tried where he wouldn't do it. He wound up being out of the league. Same thing, just hard-headed. Some guys just think they know it and they're not going to listen to anybody and learn. I, don't, I think he's one of those. He's not going to listen to them. But he keeps swinging the way he does, and that's not good. Now, do you think his average is bad because of the shift, and are you a fan of them getting rid of that next year? That is I the think plan. it looks stupid when they do that, but hey, if it works and it gets them out, I don't care if they do it, you know. You do what you're supposed to do to try to get the guys out and it means shit. But if a good ball player, I mean, my older brother taught all of us how to play baseball, and I could stand, I could tell you every time before about it, I was going to hit it on first baseline or third baseline. It is not that hard. Okay. 
And if you're a professional and you can't, I mean, if they put that shift on me, I'd laugh because everybody's on the right side. I'm going to knock it smooth down the left side and have a base hit every time. I don't even have to hit it, but out of the outfield, out of the infield. But these guys, I mean, they put the shift on them and they hit it right to them. It's crazy. To me, there's just a lot of guys in baseball that aren't even good enough to be in baseball. So you are, you're in favor of the shifts? Yeah, I mean, let them do it. If it, if it works and these guys can't adapt and hit it to the opposite side of the field, I say let them do it. I don't see where it's hurting anything. I was just trying to see if that is, because I had this a while back on batting averages. But that's not telling me what I want. Because I did a breakdown on this to see it was on home runs. How many home runs were hit when they lowered the mound? Yeah. Remember when they did that? Right. Because the pitchers were too good, so they lowered the mound like six inches. Mm-hmm. And there was an uptick in home runs the next year, but then <coughs> the pitchers did what they were supposed to and got it going. So let's see. Here it is. So the average last year for the MLB was 232, and then 21 was 244. But let's see what it was. Let's see. Go back to the 90s. 97, 267, 270. <coughs> so team averages are flowing, are averaging around 260. And this is before, this is, guys, this is all before the shift. 2010, it's 257. 2016, it's 255. See, that's livable, but that's still not a good a good batting average. I mean, I mean, if you're a good baseball player, you should hit around 280 to 300. Okay, well, let's go back to 72, which we grew up with great teams. 244, 249, 254. They're not playing shift baseball. No. I mean, the year the Mets won the World Series, the average was 248, 68. When the Tigers beat the Cardinals, it's 237. So tell me the shift is affecting these averages. Let's see. So eight, is 18 when they really started doing shifts? It seems like about right to me. So it does drop about 12 points to 248, but then it bounces up. So, yeah. I would think that with all the money these guys are making and all the analytics and all the coaches, it's like, okay, here's how we're going to attack this these pitchers. I mean, we have an offensive court, a run coordinator for the Rangers. What the hell is that? A run coordinator? Well, if you don't get on base, you don't have runs. Yeah. What's the hitting coach supposed to do? What, what's his job then? Isn't it his job to teach them – how to hit the ball and what pitches they're going to see from players. But now we have an offensive coordinator. What does he do? Does he tell Woodward who to put the lineup? Isn't that the manager's job? Could be. You know, I saw something the other day. I've never seen it. I thought, how does a pitcher remember all the batters in the lineup for the other team? How does he remember what 
pitch the guy can't hit. You do. You know. I well, pitch. you think, but I saw the other day. First time I've ever seen it. I said, that's it. You know how football players have a band? Yeah. These guys have in their hat. They took their hat off. And yes. Was, I didn't know he had his. But when I pitched, I knew. Oh, well, yeah, well, I never had anything. He was keeping No, because we had a brain. We didn't have computers. We didn't have tablets and all this stuff. We didn't have to remember because someone's going to give it to you. Yeah. Well, I knew when I came up against certain teams, the guys that could hit me, and it's like, not this time. I know how to pitch to him because we remembered. Our coach didn't remember. We had to remember. Well, nowadays, they don't have to remember anything because there's somebody giving them all this information. It's like, why don't you just go out there and pitch? Let's see what you can do. Instead of trying to figure out all this stuff, you know, I don't ever remember pitchers when we were growing up that had to throw a curveball in the dirt to make a batter chase. I mean, Bert Blylevin, he'd throw it right over the plate. Can you hit it? No. He didn't wind up right over the plate. <laughs> he start that sucker at your body, and by the time he got over the plate, it was a strike. Yeah, and you knew what was coming. But, you know, you still couldn't hit it. <laughs> where they force all these. And at times, I really think they're overthinking themselves. They're out coaching themselves. It's like, we just throw the damn ball over the plate. You know what he likes, okay? Don't throw it there. Quit trying to be perfect on every pitch because when you do that, to me, that's when you make a mistake. You can't be perfect all the time. Just like a plate umpire can't be perfect all the time. You can't be perfect 50% of the time. He's, yes, we are. I definitely beg to differ on that. I miss pitches as an umpire. I know that, but I would make up for them. If I really blew a call, it's like, okay, I blink. See, people forget. We do blink when we're behind the plate. <laughs> I know you do quite often. Oh, no, it's like not quite often. <laughs> not all the time. I mean, I did do that in a game where a kid threw a pitch and it bounced 10 feet in front of the plate, but it wound up going straight over the plate in the strike zone. And I called it a strike. Well, by the rule, it's a ball because it hit the ground. But I blinked. I didn't see it. Everybody else did. They started ragging on me about it. And all I said was, he should have swung. What? It hit the ground. I don't care. Should have swung one over the plate. You know, that's funny because I can remember four or five times in my life playing baseball when a pitcher would throw a ball, it hit the ground and hop up, and we'd actually hit the ball. Because it it was just like, no way. I don't know what word I'm looking for, but what wasn't doing the umpires or anything like that. We were just playing, having fun. But uh, I can hit that and hit the ground. It hops and you hit the hit with your bat. Yeah, and if it's in fair territory, it's fair ball. Yeah, but that's. I mean, and I say some of these players nowadays in real baseball, professional swinging it stuff that hits the ground and bounces before it gets to the plate. Yeah, if if you hit it, who was that? Uh, I don't know. There's several plays. They swing at anything. You throw the ball anywhere and they swing at it. Well, that was Manny Sanguin with the Pirates back in the day. <laughs> he he did. They couldn't throw anything that he wouldn't swing at. You remember him? Yeah, I remember him. Played catcher. Mm-hmm. He was great. 
but yeah, he would just, he didn't care what the pitcher threw. He was going to swing. But nowadays it's like you're, they're way overpaid and they're not performing. I tell you who the Rangers should get for a hidden coach and they'd be a hell of a lot better teams. Julio Franco. He could teach them boys how to hit the ball. Yeah. But does, would he really want to come back? No, and probably do that? not, but uh, they should try to get somebody like that that knows what they're doing, how to hit the baseball. I think he finally retired. Didn't he go back home? I think, yeah. I think even for a while, he loved baseball so much. I think after he retired, I think he played he might have gone to Japan or somewhere and played in one of those leagues just to keep – he really loved the game. I loved watching him. He, You need a base hit. Anybody, give me anybody, and I'll put him up there. If I – in a crunch, who do you want? Julio Franco. He is 63. Yeah, and he probably still plays baseball better than all these guys. Let's say last appearance, 19, no, 2007 for Atlanta. Really? Yeah, I remember when he played there, but after that, he went to the minors, didn't he? I thought he went to one of those leagues like in Japan or somewhere and played for a while because he still loved the game. I don't know, but yeah, he could possibly teach them how to hit a ball, but uh, what that, the Mexican League came back and, yeah. oh, he was with the Fort Worth Cats. You remember them? When was that? Yeah, I remember 2014. That. Wow. He played for them. I don't remember that shit. I'd have gone out there and watched just to watch him play. He won six for 27 in seven games. And then he went to Japan in 15. Yeah, that's what I thought. I thought he went to Japan and played for one. So he was what? 56? 56. <laughs> and he's still playing pro ball. <coughs> I tell you what, that guy never hit a softball in his life that I saw. He hit the ball. He smacked it. I, I'd hate to be a fielder on some of those. You had to catch those lines right in. It probably scorched your Yes. Bruise your palm or something. He got his swing and he knocked the hell out of it. Well, he is a hitting coach in the Mexican Good. league. He needs to be one here for the Rangers. I so as Aurora's de Monclova <laughs> in 2022. <laughs> Why isn't he up here? Because people are stupid. They don't know what good talent is. Well, that's true. That's true. <laughs> So you're going to watch any Ranger games this year, or are you just going to laugh at me when they uh, lose? I'll probably watch some when there's nothing else on, as long as there's hockey on, or mainly just hockey. I'll watch hockey over any other sports. So they, basically you can laugh at me when they lose. No, I watch them sometimes. I mean, sometimes my brothers are going, hey, you watching this game? No. And it's something really putting it on them. I'll turn it over and watch for a while, but it doesn't happen very often. Well, it's baseball. And I know it is painful to watch. I know it's not good baseball. But it's not like we get the Tigers down here. They show the Yankees every day. I'd be glued to the TV watching. But I don't get to watch. You get that Sunday night with ESPN. Yeah. They will cover the Yankees then. But uh, so we can't agree that the Rangers need to. I don't know what Clean they house. I think the only thing they can do is get rid of that uh, general manager and the coach and get some real baseball people in here. Well, Those are not real base. 
If they're real baseball, they're the dumbest ones I've ever seen. John Daniels, every move he makes is wrong. And the owners, I mean, I don't know. They've got money. Yeah, they why, do. Why they put up this mediocrity, I don't know. Get rid of them. I'll agree with that. But, yeah, Daniels, Young, and Woodward need to go. Who's Young? What's he doing? He's the GM. Daniels is the president. That's he right. got promoted. Well, I give Young a little bit of a little bit of leeway because he had been there all right. But Daniels has had plenty year. of time to do something. He ain't done nothing. <coughs> he was no John Daniels went to the Colorado Rockies. He what? He went to the Rockies first. Yeah. And then he came to the Rangers. The, where's Hank Blaylock? What is he doing? Is, uh, that was my son's favorite player. Daniels negotiated multi-year contracts for Young, Blaylock, and Cordero. 2004? Damn. <laughs> assistant, baseball oper- assistant baseball operations under John Hart. Well, Hart, yeah, he was not that great. No, actually, he was because he brought in a lot of those guys when they that wound up going to the World Series. So Daniels just replaced him at 28 years old yeah. because Hart stepped down. He was too young. At 28 years old, he don't know half of what some of these baseball guys do. No, he's too young to be a head uh, GM. But in the world of analytics, it doesn't age doesn't matter because you got a computer to tell you who's good and who's bad. Yeah. He's not a Billy Bean, you know. <laughs> Billy's the he's one that bean. came up. Well, he's more than a Bean, you know. Billy came up with that Moneyball concept, but because he had to with Oakland, Oakland's payroll back then was like sixty million, yeah, or something. It was the lowest in baseball, yeah. So they had to find value in players. Well, it worked for them, but it didn't win them a World Series. They got to the playoffs. Well, at least they were competitive. They have they've always been competitive. Yeah. So my question, why can't the Rangers be competitive? That is the question, isn't it? Yeah. I mean I mean no you don't have to be great, you just gotta be good. They had three good years in the nineties. They had three good years in twenty ten. You know, nine, ten, eleven, and twelve, those were good. Well that's seven years out of fifty. Mm-hmm. See, I'm there. I was so excited. Is that, does that rival their batting average? <laughs> Let's see. Go ahead. I was so excited in the 72 when we got a team. Good. We finally got a baseball team. And I really enjoyed it for about five or six years, I guess. But after that, it just kind of like, they can't get any good players. The one They just can't play. It just I lost interest. You know, I thought if, if they still played like they did when they first came here and tried and all, I'd still watch it every day. But I just can't watch uh, just, uh, it just drives me crazy to watch some of these guys can't hit a ball. Well, their percentage is 140. Seven good years out of 50, it's 140. Yeah. So that's, it's lower than their batting average. But, that, but I mean, so if something about those guys when they first came, those guys were trying their hearts out. We had a big Hondo. That was the biggest Frank man I've seen in my life. Frank if Howard. If he hit a home run, it wouldn't barely go face. Good luck if you can find that one. He smacked those balls. Yeah. And they had some good old players that had uh, – 
had a pitcher named Fucault, Steve Fucault. Had a catcher named Suarez. He was good. Uh, trying to think who else they had. They had a lot of guys that were, oh, Levito. I can't remember his first name. Tony Levito. They came here in what, 1972? 1972. I better put Texas because that'll pull up the New York. Let's see. Okay, Toby Hara, he was a great player. Mm-hmm. Now, these guys were all on the Senators because they didn't pick anybody up, did they? Uh, no, I think they all came. They just came as Big Bosman. Big Bosman, yeah. Let's see. Who else was Steve Pete Broberg. I mean, I remember all those guys. Rich Hand, he was good. <coughs> uh, let's see. Paul Lemblad, he's a good relief pitcher. <coughs> Rich Billings, I remember him. Was he or, good? Uh, he was okay. He wasn't great, but he wasn't bad. Okay, there's Suarez, Ken Suarez. Let's see. Frank Howard. <laughs> yeah, he was just a monster. Yeah. Oh. Nelson, right? Dave, Dave Nelson was a good second baseman. I remember Lenny Randall. Lenny, Rand- Lenny Randall's one that beat the coach. Was uh, it? No. Luke Casey. Was, pissed and punched him out. I think. <laughs> was that when he hit the ball and was running to first base and just went right after the guy? Because we watched that yeah. last year. I don't really remember. I just know LaCasey got on his case or something. He just, well, yeah, I'll just punch you out. But he also went after a pitcher. Oh, yeah. Yeah, he had a, he had a what you call it, attitude. <laughs> yeah, Jeff Burrows. Jeff Burrows was Oh, good. and there's, there's a name I'd like to forget, Tom, Tom Greve. But, you know, back then, he was a pretty good player. I mean, for, for what we had, wasn't great, but he was one of the best players they had on the team. They just couldn't put it together. But with the payroll they've got now, I mean, there are no excuses. And, yeah, I mean, know. they got, they're spending the money. and they just, I, I'm like you said this before, and I, it's not the players. It's the coaches. They don't have good coaches. Two two oh. pitching coaches, well, that's crazy. Neither yes, one of them. You could have them both together, they would have made one good pitching coach. And Mathis did not have a stellar career, and Seguro never pitched. Yeah. So what the hell are they doing? That's what kills me. You know, and you take pitchers that had a, what was it, a 6.7 career pitching average, and you make them a pitching coach. They couldn't pitch yourself. How can they teach somebody else to I, pitch? I don't get it. That that makes no sense to me. I mean, Maddox wasn't – his brother was great. Yeah. But uh, he still had a decent career. To, and he, he is like Ron Washington. If you look at Washington's stats when he played, it didn't light up the world, but you could tell, okay, he was a good utility <coughs> infielder and solid, but, you know – how could we have been so good back then and so bad now? I mean, he made Elvis Andrews and Adrian Beltre what they were. He made those two come together. I mean, I don't remember a shortstop third base combination like that. We always hear about short and second. 
but yeah. you know, look at what he did with Odor. Andrews and Odor led the majors in double plays for years. Isn't Odor still on the Yankees? Nope, they released did him. Did they get rid of him? He's gone. Wow. I thought he was coming back around. I know he he was in a slump for like two years. He couldn't do nothing. It was, what the hell happened? It, it was horrible. He looked like a corkscrew when he swung the bat. But then his fielding started tailing off. Yeah. He started having problems there. But, yeah, I looked that up the other day. It's like, so how many ex-Rangers are with the Yankees now? And are starters? Well, a bunch. <laughs> yeah, Gallo, Trevino. On the Rangers, our farm system. <laughs> that's kind of the way it's looking because I was I knew they were going to get and, – and Falefa. Mm-hmm. So they got Falefa, Gallo, and Trevino. <laughs> well, they were starters. They should have – you know, Gallo was a starter here, but Trevino and Falefa should have been solid starters, but they kept screwing with them. It's like, well, you might play today, you might not play today. No, we don't need you today. Well, why don't you go in there and pinch in? It's like, you you just wasted their talent. And this deal of the catchers, Trevino proved he belonged there. Oh, no, they had to bring in, who was that guy? Mathis? Yeah. Was that his name? I think it was him. And he was Jeff Mathis. He, he didn't live up to his billing at all. Trevino was the anchor, but they couldn't figure that out. Okay, since I haven't been watching a lot of the Rangers this year, I know they got that catcher, Garvey, is that a name? Garver, Garver yeah. Whatever. But is he starting every game? No. Nope. Is Trevino getting to play at all? Nope. They're swapping off. He and Heim are swapping off. Trevino's gone. Trevino's catching for the Yankees okay, full yeah, time. Okay. No, they're swapping off. Really? You would think Garvey or Garver, whatever you would think he would play 75% well, of the time. You would think so. Well, for time what, is not that good. I mean, his bat's okay, but I think, as you said, his defense wasn't that good. No. Neither one and of them. And the Garvey guy, I mean, he's won three gold gloves. He's got to be a good catcher. Well, no, he's won batting titles. Batting titles, I thought yeah. he had some gold gloves, no. too. No, he doesn't. But still, unless I'm wrong. Every but. other month, if he's supposed to be good, I'd be playing him 80% of the time. Yeah, but they're doing, you know, they position themselves behind the plate, and unless you're extremely fast and agile, you can't block a ball when you got a knee on the ground. And both of them are doing it. Trevino didn't do that. Yeah. Now, towards the latter end of last year, he started sticking his leg out a little more. But it's like, man, you're taking yourself out of position. If you're if you got your leg on the ground and the ball is thrown to that side, you can't react fast enough to get your leg up and get over there and block that ball effectively. I mean who was it? Heim blocked one ball and Nitwit Nitkowski and uh, Dave Raymond. Oh, what a great block. Well, they threw it right at him and bounced in front of him. He better be able to block that. It is just protector. But when it's not thrown to them, they're out of position and they can't block it. I mean, it's just this, this is horrible mechanics. It's horrible fundamentals. Why would you be? Why are they satisfied with this crap? I don't understand it. Cheap. It's all cheap. Where are the fundamentals in baseball? And like I said with Garcia, he's missed three balls hit right at him. Gave up that inside the park home run last night. It's like, man, that's three. That's enough. There's a reason. Where did he come from? Uh, The reason that team got rid of him. St. Louis. Yeah, he he couldn't break St. Louis's lineup, so – no, he well, I asked uh, 
damn, what's his name? Lee's buddy when he lived here. Yeah, Tracy. Tracy said he was their top prospect, but they were so deep in outfielders, they didn't have room for him, and he wouldn't come up for at least another three years. (laughs) So he was sad to see the Cardinals trade him. Yeah. Well, can't keep them all if you got a bunch of good ones. You know, he when he's played right field, he's done much better. He's not a center fielder. He's not he's, a, I don't think he's fast enough. Is he that foul? Oh, he's, I mean, you need a speedy guy, and he looks so big. I don't know if he could. He's got the right. speed, but he can't get the read. Yeah. yeah. See, I was that way. I could play every position of baseball, but I never did like playing outfield because I couldn't read the – you got to read that ball right off the bat. Yes, you do. And I wasn't good at doing that. I was. I could read it. Well, not me. I said, Coach, don't put me out there. Yeah. Anywhere in fields five, but not outfield. But I was not a speed demon, so I couldn't chase everything down. But what I could do is I had a strong arm that I could throw it from deep right to third if I had to on yeah. one bounce. Mm-hmm. And that happened in a game. I can still picture it. I didn't, the lights, you know, it was one of these old stadiums, kind of like, the lighting reminds me of where the Frisco Rough Riders play. It's horrible. And I just couldn't see it coming off the bat the way the lights were set up. But uh, cutoff man, no, I didn't hit the cutoff man. And apparently I threw the runner out trying to turn a double into a triple. And there were two of those. But, yeah, you've got to know by the crack of the bat where it's going. But and don't pull a Nelson Cruz and think the game's <laughs> over and it's not and lose game six of the World Series. You must have read my mind exactly right before you said that. I knew you were going to say Nelson you know, Cruz because I was thinking about it too. <laughs> yeah, he just – every time I think of that, I get sick. Absolutely yeah. sick. So who, as we're getting close to winding this up, who do you see in the World Series or – is it too early to say? Well, you know, I, I hate to say it, but really over the last 10 years or so, I just – I don't keep up with any sports that much, you know, because I, I, I was glued to them for most of my life, but I just got to where it's so watered down now that there's so many guys that shouldn't even be playing that I can't get excited about watching. All I do is I keep up with my Yankees and other men. Other than them and watching how bad the Rangers are, I don't really pay attention to a lot of the other baseball. You know, and I was talking to a buddy last night, Jacob Wilson, about that, and he brought up something that, of course, Major League Baseball would never consider. But uh, he's convinced that if a team's in trouble and they can't make it, there's no bailout. Let them fold. Just let them go and let's get this down. That would be great to, if they don't do it because it cut them too much money out of their well, pockets. Yes, it would. But, you know, get it down to like 24 teams. Yeah. How many teams are now? 32? 30. Yeah, that's too many. But you uh, have four divisions with four teams. You really have about 16 to 20 teams is all you need. Well, you know. But that's money. Not, not going to let that happen. Yeah, and you go back to our day, you – either won your league, your division, or you didn't. Because we there were only – there was one division, and the top two teams went to the playoffs, and that's it. And those two, whoever won, went to the World Series. So we didn't have a marathon playoff system. And I know today people would just have a fit over that, but that's uh, just the way it is. Well, you got anything else to say? 
I think we covered about, about everything important. But you know I me, mean? we can sit there and talk baseball for eight hours or longer if we, but after so long, you get tired of talking about it. <laughs> you got to take a break for a little while. And well, talk about we got to sit there. And the Rangers play at 6.05 tonight. They move that up. I'll be doing my sleep time. I won't watch that. <laughs> well, I'm just saying, since I missed Verlander yeah. pitching against them Thursday, I still can't believe I did that. But we all have brain farts now and then. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So you think the Yankees will make it? Oh, yeah, I'm always with my Yankees. And what's their record now? I mean, I'm sure they're right around the top of their division. They're so. in first place. Oh, yeah. 14, and just right there, who's that? Blue Jays are right Blue there. Jays are Red, second. Red Sox are down there a little bit. But it's Damn. still early. Yeah, Red Sox are – one of those teams always falls behind at the first season. They come back like gangbusters, and they're at the end. Now, the last thing, you know, and I got a question. Since we both played, and I asked my buddy Craig Graham this the other day, the Cincinnati Reds are three and seventeen. Mm-hmm. You're ten and a half games back, so you're done. Yeah. You've got 142 more games to play. How do you get excited about going to the ballpark, <laughs> knowing how bad you are? How do you get motivated to play? That's what they pay those managers for. Good luck. <laughs> I couldn't be motivated to go out there and play if my record was that bad. But yeah, as a player. How would that affect you? I mean. Well, I guess you can just play for your own pride. Go out there and try to have a great season and just just maybe do something that's never been done. Look at it as an extended spring training. And you're making good money to do it. The way I was when I played, I I just love the game. I wouldn't care if I was. I wouldn't like being 2 and 20, but I still love the game. It's still fun to play. I don't know how those guys do it. I mean, that's going to wear on you. We're ten and a half back. Our season's over. Well, well the Rangers close to that already. No, they? the Rangers no. aren't close to that yet. No, eh, they have another, won. If they make it another month, they've won three more games than the Reds. Okay, they've won three more games. <laughs> They're six and six fourteen. And 14. Yeah, if you turn that around, flip, you good. You're a good team. Flip flop. 14 and 6 would be okay. Well, the Angels are 14 and 7. The Rangers yeah. are. See, the Angels are hot. They just press the bank. If they get a team, you know. But they, in that division, that's a weak division. The Astros are the only team in that I can say year in, year but out. Gonna be they're good. struggling because Altuve's out. Yeah. I mean, and the A's are playing 500. But, you know, like I said, April to me was an extended spring training. And now with May, now we start playing ball. And from this point on, you better pull your heads out. And if you can't perform, then come July, you need to start making changes. That means the manager's got to go and the GM's got to go. And you got to buy the contract of the president out. Because the Rangers should not be this bad. I'm just kidding. They got the talent. They got the pitching staff. But they don't have anybody that knows what to do with it other than Chris Woodward writing notes in his pad. I think I just figured out how the Rangers can fix it. Bring in Paul Newman as the coach and bring in the Hanson brothers. No, we're not bringing <laughs> in the Hanson brothers. And for those of you that aren't old enough, that is from the movie Slapstick. And the Hanson slap shot and the Hanson brothers were the enforcers. And that's all they did was <laughs> beat the hell out of people. If they didn't come back with a bloody nose and they hadn't done their job. 
<laughs> but Paul sure was scared of those guys too because they were all crazy. Yeah, yeah. I love it when he went to their room to get them for the for the game, and they're all sitting in their own bed playing with trains. <laughs> yes, he's like these guys aren't right. What's what's up, coach? Uh, I need you to kill somebody tonight. All right, let's go. And they all wore black glasses. Oh yeah, big old black brain guy is funny as hell. I love that. <laughs> Yeah, he didn't know what to do with them. That team was a mess. <laughs> okay. We got anything else? I don't think I think that's it for me. Did you enjoy this, even though I had to wake you up? Yeah, it's fun, yeah. I don't know how. I guess my alarm did not go Your alarm did not go off. No, I had it set, but I had my phone set. It's not as loud as my loud alarm. Yeah. So I guess I slipped right to it. <laughs> Your other alarm is like the fire alarms in the oh, hotel. Yeah. When it goes off, everybody knows. I it. forget it. I come up to my room to shut it off, and I see seven people in the hallway going, What the hell? Yes. That's oh, just my alarm. Go back to bed. Yeah, it's just my alarm. <laughs> Go back to bed. Okay. Well, well, I enjoyed it. Thanks for having me. Not a problem. Glad you had a bar stool. Where'd you steal that? Our famous friend gave it to me Fletcher? Fletcher. Okay. And then he wanted it back. He said, no, we're not Indian givers around here. I said, it's mine. <laughs> what does he want it back for? I don't know. He wanted it back later for something. I said, oh, I'll just go buy another. Good What's idea. he going to do, sit on it and fall off drunk? Well, he broke it. He probably oh. did, you know, but it still sits. <laughs> okay. All right. Because, yeah, I got a message that it's. Yeah, I got to go get me some coffee and wake up. That's what I hate. Like, wake up, up so I, you can go back to sleep? Yeah, I know, but I got to have some coffee now. Something to get me going. <laughs> all righty well i appreciate you coming by yeah well thank you i hope you were nice to patty today i was nice to patty okay. i was very i was nice <laughs> to her last night but as i told her don't think the streaker continue <laughs> maybe it will we'll we'll i guess they'll start taking bets in vegas on this one <laughs> how many days can jeff be nice to patty <laughs> It's a push. It is a push, but uh, it is what it is. She's a good girl. Yep. She's a good, good, good gal. All right. Well, that's all we got for today. I hope you enjoyed it. I did. I was talking to the listeners, not to you. I'm sure they enjoyed it. We hope they enjoyed it. Well, (laughs) yes, we hope. Absolutely. All right. Well, I'll catch you in a little bit. All right. Give me some coffee. And I don't know why I won't wake up. I need to go right back to bed. That's what I'm saying. <laughs> but coffee doesn't keep me awake. It just keeps me going. Okay. All right, man. I'll see you later. Sounds good. Well, that's all we got this week on Dawson's Domain. I hope you enjoyed it. I hope it was informative. Enjoyed our discussion on baseball and leave comments. Tell me what you like. Tell me what you don't like about uh, the broadcast so that I can always improve it because that's what I strive for. I mentioned earlier about uh, donations and subscriptions. You can subscribe on the BBS Radio One site when you pull up my uh, pull up my link. It's right there where it says subscribe and it, Gives you the option of $2.99 to $49.99, or you can make donations either through Zelle or PayPal. And I gave out that number earlier. I'll do it again. 
uh, for Zelle, it's 817-938-8461. And PayPal is jdawson41 at netzero.net. Because that's what keeps this going and keeps the lights on. So you all have a great weekend. I know they're calling for rain this coming week. But hopefully the forecasters have it wrong and it will just be maybe one day of rain and the rest of it is sprinkle here and a sprinkle there. Have a great week, and we will talk to you in two weeks. This is Jeff Dawson signing off from Dallas, Texas. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com. Websites, LDDJ Enterprises and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at jeffdawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain. I hope you enjoyed our time together. I know I did. Without you wonderful listeners, this show would not be possible. If you want to know more about me and how my brain works, that's a scary thought. Check out my books at jeffdawsononamazon.com. Websites, LDDJ Enterprises and jeffdawsonauthor.site for upcoming releases and teaser excerpts from past and present publications. You can also contact me at Facebook, LDDJ Enterprises Publishing, or email LDDJEnterprises at gmail.com or on Twitter at jeffdawson59. Have a great week and look forward to seeing you on the next episode of Dawson's Domain. <laughs>